Welcome to Think Smart, Feel Smart, Live Smart. I'm V. Vincy, Registered Counselor, Relationship and Family Therapist and Founder of Headquarters Counselling Services. This podcast aims to break down the overwhelm of life and equip you with a toolbox of knowledge, tips and tricks to help you live your best life. This raw, real and unproduced podcast uses audio taken from my weekly live broadcast in the HQCS Community Facebook group. You can find a link to the community in the episode notes. It's free to join. Now let's get started. Happy people don't come to see me generally, which means that most of the people that walk into my office are overwhelmed. So I want to equip you with a toolbox of skills and knowledge to drive you to take ownership of your circumstances, whatever they are, which propels you forward with clarity and confidence to take the next step wherever that is. For the last couple of weeks, we have been looking at stress due to its impact across the board, physically, mentally and emotionally. The mind-body connection looked at what negative emotions actually do to the body when we don't recognise what's happening and or we don't do anything to change it. And we followed that up with looking at the symptoms of stress and also across the board, physically, mentally and emotionally. So you may get the picture that I don't just want to spew out the regular stress spiel. No, that is not my style or the brand of HQ that I want to create. HQ is about prevention, not mopping up the mess. I want to give you the ability to understand what is happening, why it's happening, and empower you to make the changes necessary for your life. So I go for direct, simple, and clear, all wrapped up with a dash of humour. So tonight, what's the difference between stress and anxiety? Did you even know there was a difference? So much of our beliefs and the formation of beliefs are wrapped around language. In fact, since COVID, I have worked with a change in language far more than previously, and this is a good thing. Language is a part of mindset, and mindset is a part of what confirms our beliefs. And I saw this really great quote that I have used in some of the communication um, workshops that I've done. So your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions, your actions become your habits, and your habits become your beliefs and your destiny. And you know what? That pretty much sums up what results I want for people. Change your mindset, you change who you are. If you don't like who you are, then you have the ability to change your destiny. Now, I've been asked recently to do an exercise that defined what results I give to people, and I actually had to really think about it. What results do I give? The truth is I don't give any results because you control the outcome. All I can do is facilitate the outcome, but people come to me and I go, but what? And then I figured it out. Guess what it is? It's what we call the four R's. You may or may not have heard of it. Reset, readjust, refocus, and restart. That is what I give to you. I help you reset uh, from the overwhelm. I help you readjust your perspective. I help you refocus it so that you can restart. So back to stress and anxiety. You may be saying to yourself, really, isn't it bad enough already that I have to deal with my stress and or anxiety and now we have to start picking apart my problem so we can figure out which one I have? I know. Why does it even matter? Alas, it does matter. 
Treating anxiety as stress or vice versa may not leave you feeling any better. And frankly, don't you deserve to feel better? Knowing which one you're really dealing with can help you feel better faster because there's a fine line between stress and anxiety. Both are emotional responses, but stress is typically caused by an external trigger. Anxiety, on the other hand, is defined by persistent excessive worries that don't go away even in the absence of a stressor. So anxiety leads to a nearly identical set of symptoms as stress. Both mild stress and mild anxiety respond well to similar coping mechanisms that we've touched on over the last couple of weeks. But in reality, we focused on these the entire series because most people experience stress and anxiety at some point in their lives. And this is the type that I have focused on over this series and deal with in my practice day to day. General anxiety and stress. What I have talked about in the last few weeks is chronic stress and anxiety. That's partly due to the intensified situation we have with the pandemic at present. However, as I mentioned, the world we live in now is more predisposed to ongoing stress due to it, its fast-paced nature. And this is what I believe is causing one of the biggest mental health problems in our history. The severity is increasing and our tolerance to it is decreasing. So although stress and anxiety share many of the same emotional and physical symptoms, uneasiness, tension, headaches, high blood pressure and loss of sleep, they have very different origins. So determining which one you're experiencing is critical to finding an effective treatment plan and feeling better. So as I mentioned before, generally stress is a response to an external cause, which is sort of like a tight deadline at work or having an argument with a friend or a loved one or even a chronic illness and subsides once the situation has been resolved. Because stress is caused by external factors, tackling these head on can help. The key difference between the two is the sense of helplessness. By rolling up your sleeves and tackling the stress, you can feel less helpless. Stress can often be dealt with in a much more practical manner, whereas anxiety can require counselling, medication, or other professional psychological treatment. People under stress experience mental and physical symptoms such as irritability, anger, fatigue, muscle pain, even digestive problems, and the old chestnut, difficulty sleeping. And there are many ways to manage and reduce your symptoms. Anxiety is a person's specific reaction to stress. Its origin is internal. So anxiety is typically characterized by a persistent feeling of apprehension in situations that aren't actually threatening. So unlike stress, anxiety persists even after a concern has passed. So while I may have a thought that says, I am worried that if I can't find a new job soon, I won't be able to pay the rent this month, could be stress related. I am worried that my boss secretly hates me and wants to fire me and then inevitably she does and I won't be able to pay the rent and I'm going to be living in the back of a car is definitely an anxious thought. Do you see the difference? It's important to know how to identify and differentiate the signs of stress and anxiety. Stress is a common trigger for anxiety and it's important to catch anxiety symptoms early to prevent development of an anxiety disorder. So stress is caused by an existing stress-causing factor, while anxiety is stress that continues after the stressor is gone. 
So stress can set off a case of anxiety, but sustained or chronic anxiety needs to be treated at its own issue rather than as a byproduct of stress. So you can't alleviate an anxiety disorder with a vacation or a trip to the spa, no matter what some enlightened person in your social circle tells you. With stress, we know what's worrying us, but with anxiety, we become less aware and we become less aware of what we're anxious about in the moment and therefore the reaction becomes the problem now. Okay, a mental health professional can help determine whether you have an anxiety disorder and they certainly differ from short term feelings of anxiety in their severity and how long they last. The anxiety can typically persist for months and negatively affects mood and functioning. Um, you know, and so we know some of the big anxiety disorders such as agoraphobia, which is a fear of being out in the, um, a public space. Another big one that we get is a panic uh, is panic disorder. Now, it can look panic disorder is severe panic attacks. The thing is, is that we all have moments where we have panic attacks. Okay, it's the consistency of them, the duration and the severity that are the big big dish, uh, differences. Major anxiety disorders are what I call mental health problems. And what I have always dealt with is mental health well-being. And this is why I want to focus on stress. Stress is the first act of the play, if you, if you want. If you know and understand stress, it will help you notice if they are building and also help you to avoid stress becoming a major anxiety disorder. All right, so let's have a look at stress. Did you know there are three types of stress that can each take a toll on the body. So we should also know by now that stress is our built-in response to danger. A surge in hormones uh, as we choose between, between fighting, fleeing or freezing. The danger may be real or imagined, immediate or further away. Our brain and therefore our bodies doesn't know the difference. So what are they? And they've got weird names, really. Weird for their stages. So stage one is actually what we call acute stress. Now, it's this is see, this is a thing with language. When we go, when I say acute, that for me means warning, warning, Will Robinson. Uh, but it's actually only the first stage. So you know the feeling when you're behind an all-important deadline and then you get a call from your child's school asking you to come by or you barely miss a car accident, right? You get that heart race, your blood pressure starts to rise, your sense of emergency might trigger a migraine or even chest pain. And other symptoms include irritability, anxiety, sadness, headaches, back pain, gut problems. These may appear for a short time, time and then they subside when the stress eases. Now get this, our minds extend acute stress. What the? Yes, you heard me. When you can't stop thinking about that recent argument you had with your colleague or friend or even school mum, it may replay in your mind over and over and over, keeping you up at night. Or you might keep worrying about the future. This is the one I tend to head towards and mentioned last week. A future deadline that may or may not exist. With acute stress, you will most likely benefit from learning techniques to calm your mind. 
but stress isn't actually actually interfering with your relationships or your career okay so it's you're feeling it personally but it's not interfering with anybody that's acute so the next one and remember i didn't make these names up episodic acute stress so we've gone up a level all right now these are like mini crises except some people experience these mini crises regularly and live in a constant state of tension they may be taking on too much or simply be overburdened by their lives and if you tend to worry your body will be tense or angry the symptoms are similar to acute stress but occur more often and start to accumulate which means they build up so maybe your work is poorly managed and your boss is stressed out passing along emergencies to you those take tight deadlines they keep cropping up which gives no time to restore now notice i didn't say rest i think this is a big problem with workplaces what workplaces don't realize is that people need time to restore after big deadlines or stressful periods they don't give them and they don't give those rest times uh, restore times and people start to burn out and then they aren't able to perform at their usual standard this creates a perception that the employee is not pulling their weight or is resting on the job in fact most people are trying to restore because in modern life we often take we can't take big instant actions to solve our problems instead we need to take small steps that build up over time exactly the same way stress does just in reverse and that reminds me of one of my all-time favorite quotes inhale the good shit and exhale the bullshit that's it. don't ask me who said it because i don't know but i really wish i'd made it up but it's such a good quote inhale the good stuff exhale the bad stuff it's a good time to restore at work if don't say it out loud because you'll get into trouble but in the instances of episodic stress you might need to spend more time getting physical exercise to help with the build-up so you try and get rid of that build-up while really having a think about um, your finances or whether the, jo the job is what you want in the future because when you get stuck into um, you know routine and the doldrums and I have to go to work and I don't have a choice well that's where stress builds up and there's this feeling of I have no power but this is the time you might need to actually see a therapist to help you decide if you can change your circumstances how to change your circumstances and you know what if they can't be changed then you've got to change your response to them and the important thing here over time a pattern of episodic stress can wear away at your relationships and work and that is that risk is greater uh, if you turn to unhealthy coping mechanisms like binge drinking or overeating or clinging to bad relationships many people also slowly give up pursuing pleasurable activities or meaningful goals and if poorly managed episodic acute stress can contribute to serious illness like heart disease or clinical depression so it's probably the space where you're right at the crossroads from there you can make changes you don't manage it and you're going to hit bell number three chronic stress this is the grinding stress that wears us down over years it arises from serious life problems that may be fundamentally beyond your control or beyond it's poverty or war even racism 
The demands are unrelenting and you don't know when they will stop. You just get day you just get by day by day. It's the autopilot. If you had a traumatic childhood, you may experience life as chronically stressed even when the surface appears okay because you believe you are perpetually threatened by poverty or illness even when it's untrue. Whether the cause lies in your mindset or difficult circumstances, many people stop fighting for change and begin to accommodate chronic stress. And this is where some of us are at the moment, simply because we don't have an end or an answer and because we have may been, we may have been operating in the second level of stress without even knowing and it's crept up a notch. And I think the biggest takeaway for this stress is to recognise if you are there, you need to ask for help. In this case, especially, it may simply be looking at circumstances to see if there are any changes that can be made or dealing with the response, which takes you back down a step. So long-term chronic stress will most certainly lead to depression and ongoing health problems. So within these three areas of stress, there are four breakdowns that we have that I'm sure you will relate to. So let's explore each one and discuss some strategies and solutions. Okay, time stress. We're probably all aware of this one and most likely associate uh, this with facing tight deadlines at work. But really, we're constantly on deadlines, especially if you are a parent. What about those who are terrified of being late for events, even casual social events? If so, you are experiencing time stress. Time stress is the most common type of stress and it might be especially acute if you are in a high pressure job, or if you are a stressed out parent who fights traffic every day to get their kids to and from work or activities or school or whatever. And how's this for a kicker? Research shows women with children have higher levels of stress related hormones in their blood than women without children. Does this mean that women without children don't experience stress? Of course not. It means that women without children may not experience stress as often or to the same degree with women who um, with children. This means for women with children, it's particularly important to schedule time for yourself. You will be in a better frame of mind to help your child and meet the daily challenge of being a parent once your stress level is reduced. So what do you do about it? Dealing with time stress is simple in theory, but will most likely require that you cut back on any activity with strict deadlines. For instance, if you have a lot of schoolwork but constantly get distracted by Facebook, try using the Pomodoro technique, which I think I might have mentioned here before. If not, shout out and I'll um, do something on time management. Or if you spend a lot of time on groceries and food prep, designating one day a week for a meal prep or signing up for grocery delivery services, help book in a cleaner, also goes a long way to saving time through the week. The reality is there's only 24 hours in the day. And if you are constantly facing a time crunch, you must find ways to adjust your schedule so that stress doesn't become chronic and start ruining your health. Next one anticipatory stress oh god the words are so big tonight have you ever had a feeling of a dread about the future but you just can't place your finger on why that's that stress it's a difficult type of stress to manage especially if it's ongoing and doesn't have specific causes and we may attribute 
um, we may attribute causes to it, making situations which are not actually stressful into stressful ones. So in layman's terms, we make up a bullshit story in our head of what we think might happen. Okay, so this is the future stress. If So for example, if we feel we need to clean the house from top to bottom before a friend comes over, when in reality, the friend is not going to notice or even care if the house is a little bit messy. And if they do, get rid of them. A more severe example is chronically worrying about car accidents or other bad things that happen for no reason. What do we do? We can learn how to understand and control this type of thinking with therapy and mindfulness techniques. Sometimes medication might be needed if we're in a chronic state of anxiety and depression, but meds, a balanced diet and exercise will help no matter what. Sometimes when we're stressed out, there may be medical issues or even an imbalance in our hormones and brains. For instance, if we aren't sleeping enough, we may be low on serotonin. So a supplement can help you get a better sleep, drop your stress levels, and even help your digestion. So book in to see a GP or a naturopath to help with that one in particular. The next one is situational stress. So it's pretty basic, that one, to know. Situational or um, situational anxiety is what we use to describe immediate events that cause us stressful feelings and tension. But they're typically short-lived which is why they're related to a single event. And once the, events is, uh, once the event is over, we normally recover. So if you think about the nerves you experience before you speak publicly or the way that sometimes you can't think clearly before a job interview, these are examples of situational um, stress. So some people get so stressed out that they break out in hives or have a panic attack. Okay, so this is where, and the panic attack here is the situational one, and that's the one I'm talking about. Often I get people who come in and they've had one panic attack, and they're asking, they, they actually verbalise to me, I think there's something wrong with me, I must be crazy. But by the time they've gotten to me and they've said that statement, they have probably repeated that statement to themselves a hundred times. Okay, so look, it's a big extreme reaction but it's not a life-threatening to these type of events. It just needs you to calm your mind, and that's what you do. Therapy and relaxation techniques are a good place to start, and that's why we've focused on this stuff. Okay, next one, encounter stress. Encounter stress is the result of overwhelm from dealing with a lot of people at one time. The more introverted you are, the more likely you are to feel this type of stress more deeply and the more you may need more alone time to recuperate. So what can you do about this one? One of the ways to avoid encounter stress is to choose carefully who you interact with and when. So you've really got to maintain your boundaries on this one. On a social level, this might be simple uh, be simple as establishing better boundaries with friends and loved ones. But when it comes to your job, if you're highly introverted, and you're working in a customer service role, for instance, you need to, you might have to consider a different career path in order to save your long-term health. The point here is to stop putting yourself in st- um, stressful situations when they are not necessary and to limit the interaction if it's something that wears you out. Some final words on this. Stress and anxiety are not always a bad thing. And in fact, we're going to delve into that next week. They are 
natural short-term reactions that people need to stay safe. If you or someone you know or love starts to feel stressed or anxious a lot of the time, they should speak to a mental health professional and start with the GP. I've got a handout that will be posted in the next couple of days, or actually it might even be up by now, I think, with the differences between stress and anxiety for you to, um, so you can remember them. But remember, people can accept that they cannot control everything. It's one of the biggest things that can help your brain calm down to go, I cannot do anything, I just need to breathe. Next one, settle for their best rather than perfection. You know, the aim of perfection causes so much internal stress and it's, it's mostly an internal expectation. That's what relates to the house clean. Like I said, if your friends are coming to see your house, you need to change your friends. But very, very few people will come over, walk in the door and say, hi, can we have a cup of coffee but let me check your toilet first? No, they're not going to do that. Learn what triggers your stress and anxiety. It's really, really helpful to become aware of what your triggers are. I know my triggers. I know, um, actually, to be honest, not necessarily my trigger because who knows what that'll be. But I do know that when I start to go down the rabbit warren of, oh, my God, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, I know I've been triggered. And so I can pull myself back, go back, breathe, do everything. I, I don't um, I don't preach what I don't practice, guys. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I live sometimes a life of stress, but I've learnt to manage it and manage the, the words in my head is far better than dealing with the bullshit that goes with stress. Couple of no-brainers, limit caffeine and alcohol simply because they are stimulants. They will raise your heartbeat beat. We need to bring it down. Remember, exhale the bullshit. Eat well-balanced meals because we all know the gut-brain connection. You, uh, Your food helps your brain, one, know that it's not starving and going to die today, and two, it triggers the hormones production that the brain needs that is produced in the gut, the happy hormone. Get enough sleep. I've said it before, there is a reason they still use sleep deprivation as torture. It works. Exercise every day. When you are really, really feeling crap, it's the last thing you want to do. And when I say exercise, I'm not saying go run a marathon, go for a walk, get out every single day. I don't care if you walk into the letterbox, make sure you do it a few times. It's just the whole concept of breathing, sun, outside it will change everything trust me okay next week healthy stress um which should be fun and any questions flick them through to me any requests please flick them through and i will see you next week ciao